Hark! Upon yon window! Season 7, Episode 5. Welcome to Book Record Beer. It's been a while. We've missed you. I am Nick Mahalik, joined by, well, possibly joined by my good friend Daniel DeFranco, but definitely joined by my dear friend Kaylee Tedesco. Say hello, please. Of course, I look forward to this every year, and I was um, uh, a little bit bummed, frankly, that we didn't get to do the the novel, but we are engaging in a pretty wild story. Uh, so, dear listeners, what are we doing today? Uh, Kaylee has chosen for us a uh, translated text, a story called The Embodiment, translated from uh, Korean by author Bora Chung, translated by Anton Her. Correct? Correct, Correct. yep. Correct. Um, And uh, she chose uh, Button Pusher's 2014 offering um, called uh, Cross My Heart, uh, which I cannot wait to talk about uh, as well. And uh, I am going to be drinking uh, from Von Trapp Brewing, uh, the lineage from the Von Trapp family, um, uh, by the family that inspired The Sound of Music, written atop the beer. I'm drinking their... uh, They're Vienna Austrian style lager. And you'll get why, uh, obviously, when we talk a little bit more about the story. Um, What are you imbibing there, Kaylee? I have a, uh, it's called a Founders All Day IPA. It's very like warm and cozy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So if I were to introduce um, these fine folks, I would do it uh, by introducing them as artists uh, that Button Pusher could be mistaken for. Um, So. These artists just like jumped into my head while I was um, while I was listening. Of course, Daniel, this will be no surprise. Uh, he would be one Tom Waits uh, for sure. There is a very Waitsian vibe uh, coming through, and um, uh, you, Kaylee, would be Portishead. I'm not sure if you're familiar, um, but uh, yeah, that uh, trip hop. For some reason, I could see you in a in a in a different lifetime being a, a brooding singer hanging over the the microphone it was between that and amy winehouse <laughs> and i i for some reason um the bob i just couldn't see in my brain but maybe yeah yeah maybe in another you, life for sure yeah <laughs> so those those are mine and, and lord knows what what daniel would come up with um had he been here he'd probably say that um i reminded him of uh like a Tim Burton soundtrack or something, perhaps, because uh, that also crossed my my uh, mind. But um, let's get in uh, to the story without any further ado. Um, so an excellent collection of stuff you've brought us. Um, do you find that you are reading many translated texts uh, or stories rather? I, I feel like lately I've been drawn to them for no particular reason, except that mm. I just kind of keep coming across translated texts and I'm enjoying it very much. Um, in the past, I really loved, um, I'm going to definitely mispronounce this name, so please forgive me, anyone out there, but uh, Ludmila Petrovskia, I believe. She's a, uh, a short story writer who um, initially writes in Russian and her stories have been translated. Mm. Um, and it's very similar to the story that we're going to talk about tonight. And um, I actually looked it up and Bora Chung was inspired by that writer. So it's interesting how they all kind of, Oh, wild. Everything connects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
Yeah, I find a lot of the translated texts that I read will often be for just something that I'm teaching. It's not like um, for fun or anything like that. But recently, it's funny that you mentioned that I found in my like school library in my room the accompanist, the accompanist, um, which is translated from. Have you read that one? I've heard of it. I've not read it though. Yeah, it's like a real slim. I don't even know if you call it a novella. I think it would be a short story. Um, but it's this fan. It's fantastic. It translated from the Russian, um, and that was like the most recent one I think I read for fun, and it was it was fantastic. But I'm like, I'm really, I don't know. I'm I'm. This is such a um, flowing, like, natural narrative that I I like had to remind myself that it was a translate thing because often there's like those things where you'll get a little um reminder of that or something would just will not that the translator isn't doing their job but like there'll just be something where um a native english speaker it just like for some reason uh, uh, uh you know a little syntax thing or something like that um but this was just like oh i'm i'm totally in this it was like they embodied presumably whatever the the voice was really well it seems. I don't know if you felt the same way or, or, or not. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I, yeah. And I think, um, I'd read that Bora Chung had studied at like Yale. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, it clearly seems like, uh, English is, is one of the languages that she speaks. So just interesting that, you know, I don't know how much of that went into, uh, her initial Korean, um, and uh, uh, can't even talk <laughs> the initial one. <laughs> right, um, right. But yeah, it's just it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was she's got maybe three short story collections, three novels in Korean first. And, and I think 2021, which is when this came out, when her first English uh, offering came out, you know. All right. So this story um to give a, a, a brief summary, we have um, starts with a young woman, twenties, um, who is experiencing an extraordinarily long uh, menstrual cycle. Right, her period's going on for like a really long time. I think it gets to be ten days where she's like, I, I'm losing far too much blood, and I need to. I'm I'm fucking dizzy, and has to go to the doc, and the doc gives her this remedy of basically going on birth control with a couple breaks for like a couple months and and that should remedy it um and ultimately uh she extends that a bit um because it does help remedy it and um the bleeding stops but she becomes pregnant (laughs) due to her air quoted abuse of the birth control um and uh, and then ultimately the urgency of the story and much of the story is her trying to find a, uh, a father for the child. And there's an urgency because the obstetrician says, um, if you don't, bad things will happen. And that's sort of like the premise, right? Would you, I don't want to ruin anything. I feel like that's... That's it. Yeah. And then... Good enough? Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so, oh man. So this struck many chords uh especially just you know now having um two children who were preemies and and uh mom had experienced um you know the uh preeclampsia and things like that so all the urgency around pregnancy to uh, uh make sure that that mom is well you need to do these things so that um blood pressures don't rise and all this like um 
not to say that it tainted it, but it like it it wasn't all fun and games. You know what I mean? Like it, it was actually a, a lot more dire. It felt like, um, and and so like this really struck a chord because um, it was just this constant reminder that um, the you can't enjoy it essentially or or that enjoying it is like a luxury that that unfortunately you don't really get to have um and so i don't know uh you know you of course being a mother if that's like my outsider sort of male perspective like taking taking hold there just because i i felt like um just constant worry you know um and and i don't know if that's that's something that that i was you know sort of like putting on the experience or or if that sort of rings true for everybody in some way, because it is such a like huge thing. So I, I don't know. That was my initial reaction. I was like, oh my god, I know that um, that pit of your stomach sort of like feeling. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I imagine it would be somewhat universal for anybody who's experienced parenthood to just like. I don't know. I I remember this is maybe off on a tangent a bit, but I when I was uh, pregnant with my son Bash, I was very early on in the pregnancy, like, I don't know, less than 12 weeks, uh, for sure. And we had had our first like very initial ultrasound when he was just like a bean, like just such a little thing. And, um, yeah. uh, so we went in and the ultrasound tech was so just like dour and kind of rude and just yeah. would not give us any information. And she kept kind of reminding us like, it's not her job. The doctor will check in and you know, da da da. And we were like, okay. But she seemed like so just expressively miserable through the whole experience. <laughs> so scared. And then we get home and um, our health network has like an online chart. And on the online chart, it had said that um, Bash's heart rate at that point was something, I'm going to probably not even get the number right, but it was basically a heart rate that would mean the pregnancy was not going to continue. It was like such a very, very low heart rate. Um, and oh my God. so we had spent the next like just hours and hours trying to get a hold of my doctor. Um, but it was, it aligned with, there was like a huge snowstorm that February. It was like a week long snowstorm and it aligned with that. So all the offices were closed and it took oh, shit. for the doctor to get back. Um, and they were like, Oh yeah, that was a typo. Everything's fine. So it was like four <laughs> days <laughs> where we were just like, gripping our chairs and like crying and you know we didn't know what was going to happen um but this just reminded me so much of that of just like the absurdity of like every little thing and every decision you make in those moments is so monumental in real life and just the story was just like you know if you don't do this this will happen and it seems like slippery slope but it's kind of like actually that's very relatable it's it's relatable (laughs) oh my god yeah that's such a crazy story oh my god I don't know. And it's it's wild, too, because I don't know if you feel this, but um, like to remember those things, there's very few that I actually feel the same sort of like um, just gripping fear. You know what I mean? Like now I look back and it's almost like it was a different person that 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 went through. And you know what I mean? It's just like there's this a real hard like rem- you're removed from it in such a big way. It feels like I, that's how I feel anyway. And maybe it's because of also like having uh, a second one. I just you know that that um, that really again like just gripping fear that something's gonna happen. Um, 
it, it, it's eased significantly because I'm like, that one's still alive, pretty good, doing well. Um, you're going to be cool too. And you're way crazier. So like it's, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting, but you're, you're absolutely right. That, that real sense of like anything, um, anything just seems to be having this enormous like knock on effect. Um, because now, and I think the obstetrician sort of like does a refrain of that. Like you have a, you're responsible for another life and, this is don't you don't you realize and she's like i just ate a bunch of birth control like i just was doing the thing to not have this happen i what do we think of that so like i was really i don't know if i was i wasn't like puzzled at all but i was like what's the what's the the purpose like how, what's the irony of that doing for me you know as 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 a reader here i was like um it really felt like this this whole idea of like so much i i loved just as an aside that there was not a overtly christian immaculate conception reference or anything like that happening here whatsoever so full disclosure none of that is going on here which i really liked because i think that's a little at this point overdone and 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 it can be done well um but it was unnecessary here. She was doing something completely different. It felt like, um, but yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. I was wondering your thoughts on like the, the irony of the birth control and then she becomes pregnant from it almost as if a, a woman not having control over her body, you know, talking about like politically legis the legislation that, that goes through and stuff like that. Maybe that was a commentary on that. Um, for some reason I thought it would be in my head, something more, but maybe it was that, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't I I thought it was just interesting birth control as a whole is such like a just a minefield of, you know, yes, oh, it yeah. is supposed to do this one thing, but sometimes it doesn't do that one thing or maybe it'll do that thing, but then it'll also make you so depressed or so, you know, it's like all over the place all the time. Um and so I thought it was just interesting that uh she's taking this birth control for a very specific purpose and then it just completely you know, does the opposite, even beyond the opposite of what that purpose was. And just I, I, what struck me, I guess, through the whole story was how little anybody in the medical profession would, would kind of listen to her and just acknowledge like this is actually what this person is going through and we should help, you know, this person get through, whether it was the extended menstrual cycle or then eventually the pregnancy itself, um, just nobody's really listening. And they're just kind of saying, this is what you need to do. Go do this. Um, but not taking in her personal experiences. And I think that was like the most maddening part of the story, because I think that is also <laughs> so relatable that, you know, you go in and share these issues that you might be having. And I think, um, you know, it's special for, for women and queer people to go into the, to get medical care and just be told like, no, no, you're actually wrong. This is what's actually wrong with you. Um, mm -hmm. And so you're just in this like cycle of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What do I take? What do I do? What am I supposed to do to make myself feel better? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I was almost like the birth control is just the fact that she like just took it a few extra months than she was supposed to. And that made her pregnant. It's just like I, I feel like in a way, you know, it, obviously it's absurd and uh, just horrific, but it's not that far fetched either for something like that to happen in terms of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Different things. <laughs> 
oh my god yeah yeah you're absolutely right that is something like i know when we were like looking at the hospitals like where to go and and find somebody like do you go with the midwives do you go with uh um uh the doc or or what do you what do you do and then you're almost like kind of uh, researching and interviewing and uh, like all this stuff for this big decision and the thing that i found that was wild was you kind of in doing that found that some of these places are literally the the mortality rate is is um really great but the comment is always uh it's a factory you you're just you're in a factory and you're just there and you're getting pumped out and you come in and like um looking at it historically like how much time you should be in there to rest after and the idea that someone's actually going to listen to you and they don't have 40 more patients in the next hour that they need to go see and speak to and i remember all those conversations where especially as the I, I there was a distinct difference between the first child and the second child too because when the first one you know you have a zillion questions because you don't know a goddamn thing and there's not enough out there and everything's really specific and unique to you and your body and your situation whatever um again speaking from the, <laughs> the partner's perspective uh that's what it seemed like to me and then we would ask questions um and there was just yeah super dismissive and you have no idea because you've never done this before and it's like yeah, that's why i have the fucking question you know kindly answer it and um and uh the bedside manner became like such a huge thing um and you find yourself in this in this factory where you're just it'll be fine just come in and you know and we'll just tr like trust us kind of situation and um yeah I'm, and you're literally trusting somebody with your with your life in a system that uh doesn't quite value it you know yeah and it's it's pretty it's pretty wild yeah that's it that's a great point um because no one is and it's crazy because I really took that for par for the course mm -hmm. because that's the way. And it's like, no, that's probably a real big thing that you need to be aware of that this, this kind of thing happens. Yeah. Um, did you guys, did you make a birth plan for? Oh, yeah. It just, it, the story just brought me back to, to making the birth plan. And then just like the, you know, I remember like literally being in labor and then uh, a nurse like bent down and was like, and I actually, I did have a great obstetrician and great nurses. So I'm not actually knocking anybody in particular, but the nurse bent down and was like, actually, you know, we might not be, uh, your birth plan might get thrown out the window. And I was like, just starting <laughs> to have contraction. So <laughs> just like the fact that, you know, so quickly they're like plan, 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 plan. And then actually it's not going to go as planned anyway. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so funny. Yeah. Cause that's the, she, she, had a plan to just feel better and not have a terrible period and and it turned into the complete yeah opposite um yeah no i we we had a, a birth plan we had a, a doula for gabriel and like all the stuff and the doula ended up just literally sleeping in the corner because she couldn't do any of the things because jill had to be on um the uh um uh, the stuff that prevents seizures oh um, and so she was just strapped to the thing and we couldn't couldn't do anything so that got yeah that got thrown out real quick um so uh i think one of the things that i also um noted here was i kept writing uh what 
question mark exclamation um on a lot of stuff like if you don't find a male partner the cells of the fetus will not properly propagate or grow uh and i think that line really stuck out to me for a few reasons not the least of which being that um ultimately we're not really needed at all and this focused focused on like how dire it was to not have us like the male partner in this um and i didn't know uh and i couldn't find too too much if this was a cultural sort of reference um or if this was sort of a universal thing it felt to me like a universal thing that sort of is this archaic holdover that still exists um you know uh but I don't know your th- your thoughts on on that as well. Yeah, I thought I thought that was super interesting. I love that she like compares it to a chicken egg and is like <laughs> just like the yeah. rooster has to come fertilize the egg. But um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting because it was like yeah, in this world you don't necessarily need uh like sperm to have a baby you can you can just have a baby i guess if you take too much birth control pills um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is interesting because then you would be like okay so what you know function does does like the the male partner have in this at all but i think it was so interesting that like societally that emphasis is placed where like you don't need the father to have the baby but you need the father around mm. by the time the baby's there because you know yeah. what does that mean for you if you're a, a single mother or you know whatever it might be um but just that kind of like societal push that like oh my god you know if you don't have a father for your baby what are you going to do and it did it Mm -hmm. felt kind of um i don't want to say dated because it's not like it's not like we don't see that today that you know that is still very much that kind of derision um towards like single parenthood and things like that is it's still definitely there but it almost it reminded me of like i don't remember the movie that i'm even thinking of but there's like a movie in the 80s uh, oh my gosh, I don't remember. But I know it's like a woman gets pregnant really, really young and like the whole movie she's trying to find a father for her baby. And so it just reminded me of that, of like that, uh, oh, you know what it is? It's I think uh, um, Look Who's Talking To <laughs> with like Kirstie oh. Alley. <laughs> it just like popped in my mind. That was, I, that was I, my brain was nowhere near Look Who's Talking or Look Who's Maybe Talking though. To. And John Travolta, yeah. So she's like the yeah. whole movie. <laughs> She's trying to figure out who could wow. be the father for her baby, uh, and it's it ends oh, up man. being John Travolta. So spoiler, but um, but yeah, it kind of felt like that. Like it was like almost mm-hmm. like slapstick. Like you got to go on all these dates. You got to figure out who's going to be the father. Yeah. Um, and well, that's why for, I was wondering. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, and I mean just all for like not at the end. You know, sadly. Um, but just just interesting that it's it's such that societal thing versus anatomical, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, that was why I was thinking it might be like, so it's funny because I was feeling the same thing like, oh, this is, this does seem a little dated, but then also um, thinking to myself, there is this huge thing and I probably get it because white male gets thrown into the algorithm and this stuff will pop up in my, in my um, feed sometimes where it'll be like, literally like, (laughs) working class usa real democracy feminist stuff and then and then it'll be a podcast clip of uh a a group of women saying how um uh both young men like boys and girls will both um uh have 
X and Y issue if they don't have a male figure in their home, mm-hmm. right? And like some sort of, sort of that stuff going on. Um, so it's this interesting thing where it's, that seems really far the other way from most of the content that I engage with. And I'm always surprised when it, when it shows up, but it has to be out there so much that that's happening. You know what I mean? So I do wonder if perhaps that there's a little bit of commentary on that sort of like showing up you know um and that it's still very present like i mean it's interesting because there's a ton of stuff that i keep seeing about um i don't know if this comes across maybe i liked something that was (laughs) (laughs) sending me this shit now but um there's there was this thing about how like rockefeller invented feminism to like tax both the parents and and all this stuff and i was like i was like what the fuck where does this come from and and it's all this like um idea of the importance of uh the mom being like the homemaker and, oh and, and, right and, i think i've seen that before I mean? too yeah 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 that just for there was a streak of time where that was just like all over the place and i don't know if perhaps that that that's happening or um if she's also or like i said if it's like a uh there's like some there's like a cultural thing happening too because the there's a specific name that she gives for the dates um which i had circled on it i think sion dates or sion dates. yeah Yes. Yeah. And and so I was wondering if that it, it felt like almost like the Indian matchmaker or something like that for these arranged marriages. Um, and if that was sort of like woven into this in some way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I looked that up um, because I was just curious and it said, um, uh, I guess in Korean culture, there's like two different types of dating. And I forget the name of the other type, but it was like one type is you go out and it's like for when you're kind of younger and you just, you know, you're just dating around and you'll have drinks with people and, and get to know one another. And then there's the Sion dating, which is like, this is where you're like, I need to find my like life partner. So I'm out Shit dating with serious. a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was interesting that there's like that distinction. Um, yeah and just like emphasizes the like she needs to not find someone that she loves or is romantic with but like the specific purpose of like i need a father for this baby is is really interesting too yeah and that it's not her choice really like she the the family is really pushing her people that didn't care about her before now have this really vested interest in her health and well-being and all this stuff and um it is it is really interesting thing i mean because she's nailing so much of the stuff that like looking back or like from afar being removed from it was real i I don't know sort of surprising to me where like not that we had family members that didn't care but like um that after the baby was born all of that focus just went away and you're sort of just like that sort of uh stereotypical you're left with like no instruction book and you're just you're just there on your own sort of like treading water um and that that i definitely remember um really profoundly and so she kind of she nails that a little bit and i actually i did like too how um number one it was like 40 plus dates and then number two like there was a very real representation of what the presumed male reaction would be to being put in that situation or or that situation being, you know, the one you find yourself in. Um, I thought that was really interesting because you have the dudes who were upset and the dudes who ran away and, you know, but then the dudes who were like pretty sweet and, and understanding and like, it seemed like a very 
realistic representation in a story that has a wholly unrealistic premise yeah you know and so she i thought she balanced this just from a writing perspective i thought she balanced like the absurdity and the reality really well in the in the story yeah i agree and i loved the like that initial date she goes on kind of goes well and it is someone who is really seemingly empathetic and and sensitive to the situation and then um are we allowed to spoil the ending or should i keep it i think we can okay (laughs) well i'm gonna spoil so if anyone wants to pause or whatever (laughs) um (laughs) but he comes back but like literally you know right after it's too late which is the tragedy of it all um Mm -hmm. but just that was also kind of slapstick because i just thought i don't know like he is sensitive and he is empathetic but he needed like what nine months to think about it or whatever it would have been she went on the date very early in the pregnancy like six or seven at least though that's a really fucking long time yeah yeah the excuse that he used too was that his his job like their schedules couldn't align Mm -hmm. and then we find out he i think the real key thing is uh, this is something she does really well i'm glad you mentioned that because this just made me remember like she does give us just enough right when she's leaving that date in your head and when you're in it reading it you're like oh these guys are great that's wonderful and then she gives you that little line where she's like the only thing i know about him is that he's a driver and she only gets that at the very very end so this entire thing he seems really sweet and and wonderful but he's extraordinarily guarded he he doesn't let any anything in uh or rather anything out um about himself and i thought wow that is so well done and then you find out that he's the ambulance driver and even when he has this very obvious moment where she's in pain and all this stuff is is just sort of like unraveling for her where he could sort of and i guess maybe she avoids that because it would be sort of like the savior male savior thing perhaps um but you don't have any inkling that he might do that yeah yeah i think it would, no i mean it would be a totally different story if he, i was almost like for a minute the story has you almost like rooting for them and you're like oh it's gonna mm-hmm. be the sweet moment because we're kind of conditioned to like go along with mm-hmm. that trope of they have the meet cue and then they come back together later in the story and it works out and it'd be like just a full-on romantic comedy then <laughs> but with the right. not comedy but <laughs> romantic dark romantic i don't know be romantic there's some comedy there's some comedy romeo and juliet's a pretty a comedic moment there true um but yeah just just the fact that it you know all kind of falls apart um i just i think it's so interesting because I, there's so many turns in the story and when i was reading about the author Bora chung a lot of what she gets praised for is her like genre bending and i think this story like Every section, it's kind of like you don't really know where to orient yourself in terms of genre because it's just constantly sort of changing. And then, you know, it isn't really until the the end, those last paragraphs where you're like, this is, you know, the real kind of horror of it all, like hits you so hard. And it's so yeah. tragic um, and like gruesome. Um, and just, yeah, it reminded me of like, <laughs> like almost a racer head or something like that. Um <laughs> but just sadder like much sadder somehow (laughs) yeah oh yeah and it's it's interesting too because have you ever seen um uh you know the babadook Mm -hmm. yeah and the woman who made that made another movie set in australia and like sort of that that colonial i guess imperialistic time where the english is sort of like taking over do you know what i'm saying And there was indentured service like irish indentured service and so there's this really um brutal scene there with with a baby 
um and and this what the mother the young mother and stuff like that and uh and i was just thinking about that the other day and i was like wow this was almost more devastating because it wasn't um it wasn't sort of this like grotesque violence that sort of you know was the the culminating thing like this was just literally dear listener you can pause but is is the 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 baby air quoted just fades and and you know what i mean it's almost like i thought of it like a water balloon kind of you know it's literally like a blood clot but there's like a red water balloon that suddenly becomes translucent and then pops and there's blood inside and it's just like this thing where um i think there was there's it felt like allusion to miscarriage um and and this other stuff that's sort of like or stillbirth or all this stuff that's like very extraordinarily devastating and again from like an outsider perspective and 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 stuff like that you know and not having physically gone through it um it it touched so many things that could go wrong with this very grand and very very tenuous experience um and it's fragile uh you know it's really really fragile and i think i actually at one point i highlighted that because she uses that word and i was like oh that should have been i literally i i highlighted it and i wrote a uh, possible title <laughs> because i was like oh man um that that was so good ah darn it today will seem like a distant memory soon enough um <laughs> that was another thing uh but yeah i don't know it just felt like wow how do you take this experience and like touch on all these things at once i thought that was another really well done thing as i wander around that idea sorry one thing that really struck me throughout the whole story is that she does seem to want the baby like when she finds out she's definitely mm-hmm. like terrified but then it, it does seem like she she wants the child but I, I thought it was interesting that at no point is abortion even like a choice either yeah. in, in her mind or in the it almost seems like abortion doesn't exist in this universe it's like this is not something mm-hmm. that's even brought up entertained thought of and I was like kind of going back and forth on what I thought of that and I didn't know again if that is something cultural but I kind of want to say no I, I mean I'm not, I don't know for sure but I I just I thought that was like an intentional choice to almost leave abortion just completely out of the the equation altogether yeah I totally agree especially with like the idea that the whole thing starts because of birth control I didn't it didn't feel like there was any um she wasn't like it didn't seem like she was damning contraceptives or that idea of family planning or anything like that um but it was yeah it was interesting i it was a definitely a very clear intentional choice that was like um yeah this is this is not a possibility it actually the the story reminded me it had these like moments i think because of its sort of like there was like a staccato rhythm to it a little bit um it reminded me of uh the book of x oh yes yeah absolutely mm-hmm you know, and and because of the the knot and the clot, like it just it, it all kind of like fit really neat. Like that would be a this, that would be a great pairing, I think. Like if I don't know what you would title a course that <laughs> focused on this, you know what I mean? Um, whatever this is, um, with regard to those two st- books and stories, but um, 
Yeah, they would work really well together, I think. They would pair nicely. I love Sarah Rose Etter. I just read Ripe, and I can't believe I didn't put that connection together. But now that you say it, it's like, yeah, it would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, from the imagery especially, you know what I mean? Like, just that right off the bat you get, and then all this, the, these other themes that show up. Um, I found the line. Uh, they treated her like a fragile heirloom. Oh, yeah. And I thought, fragile heirloom, what a great, what a great pairing there. That's fantastic. Um, awesome. Praise, praise. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think <sighs> there's so much happening, and the biggest thing for me was feeling like this response and knowing how limited my response was like could be you know um because i remember like um when i was a little kid my mom had um miscarriages in between all of us and i'm the oldest of four so she had one before me and then uh before all the other ones and she sat us down every time and told us what had happened and like and and it was very straightforward and you know for an intensely religious woman who was very uncomfortable talking about the vast majority of things uh, especially pertaining to sex that was something she like made a very distinct point to address with us and make sure we were aware of um and i just remember thinking like as i got older um that that was not Right, realizing that that wasn't normal mm-hmm. and that there was such like sort of a stigma placed around that you know like some like a failure or something uh that uh, some women might feel with that and it was just you know a big thing and um i don't know i feel like a story like this would be great required reading yeah <laughs> to like you know in a sex ed course or something like that especially too you know um just to be like yeah, the, you know, we, we need to, to talk about things like this because people lose pregnancies all the time. And the idea that you feel like you've failed in some way or that there's something that you've done, because that seems to be a refrain in this as well, um, is, is, is absurd. And in this absurd world, it seems normal, you know. Um, I think that was kind of my final thought on it, to be honest, uh, not to wrap things up, but if you had other things, of course, but I, I like when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that was sort of my big um, takeaway on it was that that whole idea that, you know, there's this constant focus on her and what she's doing and responsibility and all that stuff, which obviously is true. You're carrying a life, but that it's so misplaced and misguided in the way that it's presented. I agree completely. Yeah. And I, I think that is, it's like such an absurdity and it's so maddening. Um, and in this story, of course, it's played so straight. So you can really see all the nuance and facets of the absurdity, which is great. And I agree with you completely. It should be something read, you know, more li- widely books like this, stories like this should be read more widely. So there's an understanding hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as Um, you know, just speaking personally, like as soon as I knew I was pregnant, it's kind of around every turn you're being told, you know, if you, again, if you do this, this is going to happen. And it's all these horror, it'll be like such a little thing. Like if you eat like lunch meat, you know, this is going to happen to your baby (laughs) or that's right. Cause it could potentially carry this thing, which 
it's obviously real there's a reason they say it but like (laughs) i mean it's crazy like a lunchable i know and there's just so many rules it's like impossible for one person to keep track of like everything and then also you know the very real um your hormones are going wild so mental health comes into play and it's like well you can't do this you know if you are are struggling or suffering in any way because you have to think about obviously your baby and you want to think about your Mm -hmm. baby but then of course you have to think about your own mental well-being and it's just that you know for anyone who chooses to to carry out a pregnancy it's it's really um or i don't know there's so many different you make choices and then there's so many choices thrust upon you that are just so out of your control um and all the while it's kind of like society and everyone is looking at at you all the time no matter what happens and i think that's like the most unfair part of it and uncompassionate part of it Mm -hmm. is just um yeah that kind of emphasis on if this happened it must mean that you did something wrong and you're in the wrong and i i really wish that conversation would just start to change in a big way yeah yeah i totally agree that's um that's huge and then yeah like you said that that has to just add so much to the mental burden that you know that that's happening just in the back of your mind and 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 then it's very present absolutely um fantastic choice i'm definitely gonna get the uh the collection Mm -hmm. yeah me too uh, i was like i gotta run and get this right away (laughs) i know yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be on the the horn very soon to, to to pick it up let's jump into the uh the the record here something that feels really old yet is very new and does a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> at once. Um, so what sort of drew you to this? Is this, uh, do you, do you listen to um, button pusher often? Is this one of your, your go-tos or is this something picked for the the cast specifically? Yeah, I, I listen to this pretty often. Um, I actually first heard it. Uh, I heard the song, the Epic on the show, mm. Did you ever watch Suburgatory? Ever hear of Suburgatory? No, I did not. It was really good. It lasted only like two seasons. I think it was on, uh, I don't even remember the network, but Jeremy Sisto was in it. Um, and actually Alicia Silverstone showed up for for a few episodes too. So it was cool to see them together. Nice. But um, yeah, it was really, it was just a funny show. Um, but this song, there's like kind of this culminating moment in the show. And that song, uh, the epic, plays in the background. And I think that it would have been right around the time the album came out. So maybe 2014 or 15. And I like immediately mm. Googled it um, and just started listening all the way through. And it's an album, I, I think there's like a, a nice kind of soft spookiness to it. So I thought it would work well for this Halloween-y purpose. Um, but it's something I don't know that I've ever really even given it a whole lot of thought until now. It's just something I it sounds I like. So I kind of play it just yeah. for ambience a lot. <laughs> yeah. That, I, and that's so funny that you mentioned that because my first reaction was um, this idea that it it felt like a soundtrack. Well, I mean, the first song is very short mm-hmm. and there's not any vocals for a little while. So I was like, oh, this feels like a Tim Burton soundtrack a little bit. Um, and then of course the vocals come in and throughout you get all of these different, like I've already sort of given the ones that, that jumped out to me, but all these different references, um, that I thought it was really wild to see them be able to do, um, on a single album, 
and 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 do well to to do this meshing of like sort of the the jazz singer tones combined with the like avant-garde Tom Waitsy and stuff combined with the dark might be a Halloween town you know what I mean like kind of kind of thing like there was a lot going on because I feel like um the sort of like throwback jazz singer from the 20s or something like that was a thing that was pretty popular in the 2010s yes um with like uh she and him there was a little bit of that and then there were these there's like this cover band that does like 20s versions of popular songs and stuff with like the that name i i was it was driving me wild because i used to listen to that all the time and i was thinking about them today do you remember what that cover band was called i don't i i i I don't know that they just seem to always pop up Mm -hmm. um and it was it was one of those things where i was like oh this is pretty cool and i would watch it for a little while and then um i was never so that's the thing i was never really drawn to that um, like I really liked Amy Winehouse. I thought that she had something. I think it was that element of like she's on a little unhinged that I was really drawn to, and like I don't know what she's gonna say, and I don't know what she's gonna. And I used to watch her live videos on YouTube all the time and whatnot, because um, I was always like, just like <laughs> she was a performer. I don't know. I was I was really intrigued uh, by her, um, but like some of some of the other ones, uh, you could tell that they were. I think trying to latch on to that maybe and like carry, take that torch perhaps. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, oh man. Now that's going to drive me a little nuts. Even toward, I think around here, around Bethlehem. And I remembered them on no billboards kidding. and I cannot remember the name. It's yeah. But they were all over for a while. Like you really couldn't escape that for a little bit in the 2010s. And I think you're right. It's like, um, I was really into just the whole idea of Chui around this time, especially like, you know, Zoe Deschanel, Belle and Sebastian, mm-hmm. all of it. And I think this kind of fits really nicely in there, but it also feels, I don't know about transitional, but it feels like it's doing something a little different than like the par for the course kind of Chui mm-hmm. culture that was happening then. Um, Postmodern jukebox. Yes, that's is that it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Phew. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. No. Yeah, I'm so glad. It feels good <laughs> to know what that was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just like uh, it's something that lasted, I guess. Like I, back in the day, I had you know she and him and stuff like that on all the time, and now I kind of find myself feeling like like I'll cringe and be like, oh, that's so you know that was. <laughs> A different version of me but this is kind of it stayed around and I think because it is so ambient and yeah kind of noiry there's something happening that uh it doesn't quite remind me of that aesthetic in like a negative way I'm kind of reminded of like the cool parts of of that time yeah yeah I'd agree I think that's why I threw the Portishead in there because Portishead was like a very specific time mm-hmm. you know 20 plus years ago and that has staying power for me. I don't know if it's cringe for, for other people or whatever, but I, I definitely that. And I think it's on this album too. It's the use of the electronic music. That's real tasteful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These different instruments that, that are, are sort of tastefully woven into what on the surface would be more of those very straight ahead, um, you know, a, approaches to a genre 
So it's funny. Uh, now I'm going to seem like such a, you know, old white dude. But like the uh, singer for for Black Flag, um, he stopped playing music when he couldn't write anything new. And so he wouldn't tour anymore. And he would he would write. He he wrote books and essays and stuff. And then he would do like spoken essentially spoken word. We would do these like um, spoken essays essentially. Um, and it was almost like a. And it was a little bit. He's funny too. So it was a little bit of stand up comedy. Um, but uh, but mostly just him giving his thoughts. <laughs> and um, in any case, he said that, and he said, "I don't want to be um, the human jukebox." Uh, and I think that the band we just, you know, uh, Postmodern Jukebox, mm-hmm. that's a great name. And I think they're leaning into it. So that's that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, we, we, we are doing that. But, like, we're doing it well enough that it's a good night out. And it's, it's more for the experience of perhaps, you know, the live show or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my take on it. We'll see what this man's take on it is as he enters, as he enters the chat. Um, or doesn't. It's just full on pause. Uh, Daniel DeFranco has entered, uh, dear listeners, and um, in a moment, hopefully we'll we'll hear from him. But um, yeah, I I did. I really I really enjoyed it, and I was surprised it went by uh quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's a hey shorty. Guys. Hey. Yeah, it is. Oh, hello, Daniel. Hey. How are you? What are you uh What are you holding? Uh, my phone for recording just to not dick around to waste any more time. Nice. So we are in the midst of uh, uh, talking about Button Pusher. Um, hmm. We referenced uh, Postmodern Jukebox. We've referenced Tom Waits. We've referenced um, uh, Tim Burton. We've, re- <laughs> we've referenced She and Him, uh, Amy Winehouse. Uh, Portis head. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. The um, list goes on. That's all of the things I was going to say. So was it really? Bye. <laughs> See ya. What? All right. Well, what was? What really though? What was the um, the big one for you? What one were you like? Oh, when I hear this, I think this. Um, I thought it was really, really sexy, and I didn't have a direct. Uh, band like right away as like oh that sounds just like that I loved the uh, kind of smokiness to it I mean Portishead is like a, actually you say that now I'm like that that's that's pretty right on um, there was sort of like a uh, like a nightclub like a jazz nightclub type of thing going on right yeah yeah, yeah Kaylee you're two for two with um spooky picks oh cool that's good news. <laughs> I mean, last year's music is what I meant. The story wasn't good this week, but that's fine. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I actually love, I love that story. It's actually, thanks for picking that. I'm upset to have missed um, the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. What did I, oh, it was sour last year, right, Olivia? I thought about. Mm, no, it was, um, it was some weird, like. Um, no, it was the satanic one. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the time before. Yeah. That's- but yeah. sour was very good as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you turned me on to that one, and I was like, did not expect it like this, and it was really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I loved the ethereal quality to a lot of the music, a lot of the tracks. I liked that it was short, and when it was over, I was like, 
I'm going to hit play again. Yeah. That's good. I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were saying it's like kind of it's a, a quick album and you like you're like I bet I missed something and I mm-hmm. listened to it again, especially like there were some songs, I think the epic was one of them where the um electronic instruments were a little more pronounced, a little more prominent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that made me think, oh, maybe I've missed them in the other ones. And they are. They're like, they're there in kind of all of them for the most part. But, um, uh, you know, yeah. burlesque. That's the. Um, <clears throat> Definitely. That's the word I was I was thinking of. Sorry. Traffic was dumb. And Roxborough was like under construction. It took me another 10 minutes once I got in the neighborhood. So. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I ran right down to the basement, threw all my stuff off. And here I, we are. We can see you. You're naked. Dear yeah. listener, it's clear as day. This is an uncomfortable Zoom. Um, yeah. Good thing just, you, got that, you got that blur. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a sim. <laughs> yeah. Going on. No, that's that's actually how my body looks now. When you when you cross <laughs> the, the threshold of 40, that's uh, <laughs> it's just, everything's just start getting blurry. <laughs> Your cells just censor themselves. Yeah. Oh, man. No one, no one needs to see this. Yeah. No one needs. Wow. Yeah. I. I mean, you came up with it. You should do it because that would be awesome. That would be yeah. great. I think uh, you could do that really well. Slowly blur as you age. That's that's really cool. Well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the last true. Thing to go in your eyes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I don't know. The first Look thing to go. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> it just kept the body's catching up to the eyes. Because <laughs> I was born, I was like, this world's a horror. So my <laughs> eyes just started shutting down. <laughs> But then as my body aged, the world said that body's a horror. So the <laughs> yeah. body started blurring. Get it out of here. Self. <laughs> yeah. I know. We, we can listen to like the, this four minutes. Uh, how amazing would it be, though, if like someone stole it and like uh, credited <laughs> the cast like this was stolen, but no one is going to know. So I'm just going to put it on there. Yeah. <laughs> that has to happen all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. The amount of content that exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean this the the parallel thinking at least and the straight theft at most is like probably oh man wildly out of control yeah it's the parallel thinking that's the big uh uh touchstone right there right because uh, yeah because everything is like everything all the time now right right welcome to the internet Uh uh-huh yeah so like yeah people are going to have the same thoughts yeah Yeah, i know that's I I uh, recused myself from the internet for a while, and um, and then I had like a few ideas that then when I returned, were already in motion mm-hmm. elsewhere, and that yeah. pissed me off. That was frustrating. <laughs> Do you ever get an idea and you think it's really cool, but then you're like, a part of you is like, am I? am I stealing this from someone? So you have to like Google the idea to see if it's been mm-hmm. done before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paranoia all the time. <laughs> I used to do that with um, song lyrics constantly. Cause I was like, maybe this is something that I thought was another lyric that I then took, but then I found out it wasn't that. And so I thought it was cool, but I really got to check to make sure. Oh my God. I would do that constantly. I would turn myself around. Yeah. It was like an imposter syndrome of some type where you're like, no way am I, <laughs> for me yeah. anyway. <laughs> I can't be that brilliant. God. <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Daniel doesn't have that. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean. It was t- definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> that, everybody t- else who did it 10 years yeah. before me <laughs> fucking ripped me off. Yeah. 
Because I, I, I did it so well that it reverberated through time. Well, have you seen that? That's the newest theory, that the future is changing the past. Hmm. Well, That's the newest thing. They're not doing a good job of it. What's that? It's, they're not doing a good job of it. Well, it makes me scared, uh, honestly. It gives me a little bit of uh, yeah. going on. Donnie I don't believe. I don't believe that. I'm not smart enough to understand like quantum physics. I was trying, um, and it was not easy. But I, I don't. No, like a thing happens, and you can't. Well, you, you gotta, you gotta break down your linear mindset there for a minute, and then you're, then you're in a whole different, a whole different realm. I mean, if we think about like light reaching us from like a, a star from like 10 million years ago, like, sure. Well, that's like the past affecting the present, but that's. I don't know. That's not what you were talking about. Not I'm the, dumb. Not the, not the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, All right. This is a tangent. Me and Kelly, yeah. we're, we're doing so goddamn good. No, this, since I've ahead. logged on, it's been nothing but a tangent. <laughs> I think they're... We're just happy to see you. <laughs> um, so let's do, let's do a little bit of, uh, of uh, I guess, final, final thoughts on the, on the album. Um, I... Yeah, I think I it's it's wild because I don't want to relegate it to to the background music realm of things. But much like a Portishead or a Cigarros or something like that, if I want to, I can get in it and I can sort of wear it. Uh, and if if I want it in the back, I I can I can do that, too. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't think I ever get in to like Aphex Twin or something. That's kind of always in the back. But like the, this, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I dug it. I was a big fan of it. And that's, that's, that's its position for me right now. Thanks. Yeah. I liked it, obviously. I, uh, yeah, I, I've liked it a long time. I think I have this thing with music where I, I actually don't listen to albums often. Like I'm more of like a, like a pick and choose sort of person. Um, it's playlister. Yeah. <laughs> a singles gal. <laughs> yeah. I always uh, I always like coming on here because it kind of forces me to really intentionally listen to an album all the way through. And I always find that experience um, just really enlightening because, yeah, usually these songs will kind of be like dispersed around a playlist or something mm-hmm. or, um, you know, not cohesive. And so it was cool to kind of hear it happening um, in a cohesive manner again. And um I don't know. I, I think I like music that makes me feel almost like cinematic, like it kind of heightens the yeah. moment. And this definitely does that. Um, and I think in really a really cool way, I like to imagine myself as like a I don't know, you're like a like a femme fatale or like a noir protagonist yes. when you're listening to this. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's fun. <laughs> Nikita. <laughs> Go out and do your assassinations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that one? Oh, what was that one? that just was on the air relatively recently and the chair, the woman who is in the show, the chair and she is the English chair is in it as well. She's the antagonist to her. Oh, damn it. Nobody knows. There's, there's too much content, too yeah, much yeah, content, sorry. too much content. In any case, Daniel, final thought on this. Um, I just want to like strip down grease myself up and uh just go on a slip and slide to this song i mean to this album nice at midnight at midnight yeah. that sounds in nice. the pitch darkness yeah 
you don't know where you're going to end up, but it'll probably be like gelatin. And like a, and you, just, you just catapult into a kiddie pool full of electric eels. Like that's kind of <laughs> how. And that works out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> somehow, <laughs> somehow I'm on yeah. board. That uh, makes sense. And uh, yeah, when can we get that arranged? Uh, you got the big yard. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it. The, the full length of the driveway. Just the, <laughs> the garage is one gigantic, just one gigantic kiddie pool. Yeah. You hear screams, <laughs> shrieks echoing from inside. Yeah. Uh, that'd be dope. But this sound, this thing's playing over the, over this, the whole thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, right. Awesome. We're talking about music. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, all right. Excellent. Well, let's move, moving right along. Uh, let's move forward into... Uh, a little bit of beverage. All right. What are you guys drinking? So uh, so I'll start. This is going to be the marquee. Um, I have the Von Trapp Vienna Austrian style lager. Uh, it is by the family that inspired uh, the sound of music. So the, the, the real deal Von Trappers. Um, it is, um, you know, something that I guess... Um, the family, you know, it's uh, it's in um, uh, Stowe, Vermont, and they set up this compound. Uh, and the the great grandson of Maria, um, he was visiting Austria and kept going back and forth, and started seeing in the '90s when this, you know, like craft beer thing really was taking off. Sam Adams and, and others, um, lagers were not so much of a focus. Uh, it was like, you know, brand might have a lager and then do these other things. And he was like, let's just almost only do like lagers and maybe like a golden ale. So it's like a Hell's, uh, uh, Vienna, a regular lager and a Pilsner is like their whole line almost. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting and it is, um, really, really tasty. Like, I feel like a lot of beers say that they're crisp. Um, but this like actually is, and the Vienna style lager is a, uh, more malty, uh, almost like thicker, uh, beer, but it has this, this, you know, uh, brewery has this crispness to it, which I really, uh, enjoy. That's mine. It smells great too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, it's called founders all day IPA. Um, it was actually gifted to us a few months ago, so we've been drinking through it kind of slowly. Um, I I don't know much about it, but I, I like it a lot. It tastes very good. Um, it's kind of cozy and it's light, which is great because um, I have to conference right after this, and I am uh, just a lightweight in every way. So <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting if I were a little bit buzzed <laughs> but i think i'm safe with this one which is good <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's really it's yummy Absolutely. Mm-hmm. daniel you bring anything to the table um i've got a delicious Ooh. creamy fucking pint of guinness <laughs> yeah, beautiful oh look at it so malty <laughs> and oh my god he just he chugged the whole thing look at that mustache Hey, brother. Nicely done. That's what people do to you. Long uh, day. <laughs> so, uh, dear listener, I, I promised that I would I would give the reason for the Vienna style lager, and it is because um, the uh, field of study that our 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 um, graduate student 
protagonist is in is Slavic literature. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why I have the Austrian uh, beer because I'm going to say that's I'll, I'll rope that into the Slavic world. You know, the Austrian Hungary, Austria Hungry Empire. <laughs> you know, it's Maybe? a good as far as empires go. That was a pretty good one. That was a pretty solid one. They were very aesthetic. I was real gonna say they had aesthetic, real good, beauty. good costumes. Yeah, nice costumes. Their architecture, top drawer. You know? Lots of pointy hats. No one does yeah. that anymore. No one goes with the point anymore. Yeah. Except for witches, of course, to bring it back. You know, <laughs> they do. Like pointy hat, that kind of pointy hat crossover. That would be cool. Like a nice <laughs> Prussian witch. <laughs> yeah. Nick, what was that book we read? Um, the uh, uh, Master Margarita? Is that the oh, one yeah. where there was like a oh, witch? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That that's that's it. Yeah, that's Russian. But, uh, you know, when you get into Eastern Europe, you're not too far away, man. Yeah, everything's, every, everything was under the Russian block at one point, right? Yeah, a good amount, I think. Yeah. Paint with a broad brush with everything there, buddy. Yeah, listen, it's only kind of got in the toolbox right now. <laughs> broad brush, just swinging a twelve-inch roller right now, just rolling I, other stuff. I was, uh, I was pencil sharp this morning, and as the day progresses, you know how it gets. Oh, just buddy, a, just a nub. Vice on the temple. Oh, yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The eraser oh. shot. I'm just ripping pages apart with the sharpest metal imaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hey, know. I've got a, I've got a rating system. Is it time for that? Oh, sweet. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I, I this is the best time for Kelly, especially here. This is the best cast. I just got here and it's over. I have to do <laughs> almost nothing. <laughs> um, the contribution was huge. You, you derailed us for ten minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's. I mean, someone had to. Um, I give the story. F- forgive me. I, I left my copy upstairs. What's the title of it again? The embodiment. Uh, the embodiment. The embodiment. Yeah. Um. First of all, again, Kaylee, great choice. I didn't. I would not have come across that story. So it's always such a pleasure when you, um, give us things because we would not have picked any of these things, um. And this is no exception. And, and also, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I give the embodiment five out of five blood blisters on the tip of your fingers that you care for like a Tamagotchi. Oof. <laughs> That's visceral. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> so a lot happening there. Mm-hmm. I give the album um, f- four out of five blood blisters on the tip of your fingers that you care for uh, like a Tamagotchi. And, 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 and my Guinness, real or imaginary, it's always, come on, come on. I'm going to wrap these five blood-blistered fingers. Uh, Marvin, Kale, Jevin, um, Tina, and Lisa, right around <laughs> that Guinness. Oh, man. Yeah. To soothe the aching tips. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm going to echo that. Five out of five. Um, uh, blood blisters that I care for, like a Tamagotchi for the embodiment. Uh, I think we're going to have the same rating system. Four out of five for um, the uh, the album, um, I think. But, but You know what's funny? My brother introduced me to a dude called Square Pusher. 
That is funny. Sort of like black moth super rainbow, like very uh, electronic and weird. And I heard button pusher and I was like, oh, dope. This is going to be fucking awesome. And I was like, this is exactly not what I expected. Um, still awesome, but definitely not expected. Uh, button pusher, I'm going to give a uh, four out of five blisters. Uh, blood blisters on my fingertips that I care for like a Tamagotchi. Yeah, tip and of your fingers. Tip of my fingers. And the Von Trapp Vienna style lager, I'm going to give a 4.5 out of five uh, blood blisters on the tips of my fingers. That I care Ooh, for you popped uh, one. All right. I did. I did. And I drank the blood. Mm. Ooh. Appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not? I don't know that I've ever popped a blood blister and not done that. That's so gross. Mm. I, I pop uh, all the time. I, I, re- ever dr- I regret bringing this up. I always, I always do. I, yeah, but as a drummer, I get blisters constantly. Oh. Uh, blisters constantly. Yeah. So I would just, you know, do that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather do that thing. I yeah, I just have blood all over my pants and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Fucking stupid. stupid. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah, I think I'm five out of five blood blisters on the tips of my fingers that I care for, like a Tamagotchi across the board. I think. Uh, I guess I chose them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> so. Nicely done. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much uh, again for such a fantastic grouping of things i we were saying earlier daniel that i think uh the embodiment should be read like mandatory reading in like a sex ed class for mm. high schoolers um i think it's it covers so much uh and gives you more information than any obstetrician ever has um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just great um so yeah in any case um just wonderful all around and uh Thank you so much, as always. I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love being on here. Thank you so much. And it was good to see you too, Dan. I'm glad you were able to come in. And Nick, if I was to introduce you as a horror that a woman's body has to go through that men don't understand, you would be a dislodged IUD. (laughs) I love that so much. All right, I'm assuming that's how the rating system or the introducing was in the beginning. Dude, I <laughs> blew it so hard that that was out there just for the taking, and I, I fucking, I, oh god, I did. Um, what did I do? Things that this. No, uh, I don't want to know. I don't don't spoil it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You'll hear it. You'll hear it some other time. God damn it! That was so they, much better. They've god, already heard such it. A fool. <laughs> well, yeah, they have heard it. You're going to hear it after I fucking <laughs> mix it down. Oh, well done. Jesus. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go, um, you know, think about uh, how poorly my brain works when that was there and I didn't even see it. Yeah, well, <laughs> no parallel my, thinking today. That's my no one contribution to the cast. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Nicely done. Well, um, thank you so much again. For all of this Halloween cast in November, it's still November, we did it, you know, we're only a month late. Uh, and um, dear listener, please check out these things. Please uh, pre-order Kaylee's new book, which I would love for you to plug a little bit before you go, because I know you have things to do right now, but I think that's extraordinarily necessary. Thank you you so much. Yeah. um, So uh, it's very recent. I think the ink is still wet on the contract, but um, uh, my next book, Mother Devil, uh, will be out late 2024. um, And it is about, um, actually, I guess it ties in. It's, uh, It's about 
kind of postpartum depression, but through the lens of Mrs. Leeds, who is the folkloric mother of the New Jersey devil. Um, so kind of exploring what it would have been like for her and the Pine Barrens uh, to have 13 children and one of them be the literal devil uh, flying around. So uh, I'm really excited about Sweet. it. It's been, uh, I've been writing it pretty much uh, since I found out I was going to have a child of my own and I've always loved the Jersey devil. So I hope it, I hope it resonates. I'm really, really excited to see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It sounds great. What a wonderful, awesomely weird premise. Uh, it's great. It's like, it, it, you know, your own mythology there a little bit. Um, it's fantastic. Thank you. I love, I love it. it. Um, yeah. So go out and, and pre-order that. Check out Kelly's site. Um, dear listener. And uh, I don't know if you're listening to this, you know where to find us, right? <laughs> check out, check out the gram. I'm going to put up uh, probably some wild, uh, you know, look who's talking and look who's talking to references pretty soon. And I'm just going to just, I'm going to, just dominate the whole page with like 400 YouTube clips of look who's talking. No <laughs> one's going to get it until they listen to this. Yeah, you got to watch it and then you got to watch this or listen to this rather. Um, excellent. Thank you so much. It's great to see you all. Thank we'll you. We'll see you real soon. Excellent. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.